This experience is best with headphones. This is a program in partnership with Open and Clear Broadcasting. For more information and additional programs, visit us at openandclear.com. For any questions you would like us to focus on, comments about the show, inquiry about advertising with us, or just want someone to talk to, please visit us there at openandclear.com. Welcome to another episode of False Prophet. I'm Dr. Mark here with Reverend Devin Devine on this spooky Halloween, October 31st. <laughs> I'm doing a Halloween show. I'm so happy about that. How have yeah. you been on this Halloween? You trick-or-treating tonight? Yeah, I uh, made a little Falcor, or Trina and I both made a, a, a rocking horse type uh, caterpillar. We, we shaped it into being a Falcor for Atreyu to be Atreyu for Halloween. Oh, no way! Yeah. <laughs> oh, I want to see pictures. <laughs> yeah, we did We did a little bit of trick-or-treating at uh, Grandpa's rehab place the other day, oh, okay. so we should have some good pictures. But I'm putting wheels on it today, so we should be able to pull <laughs> them around on it. It's going to be fun. You guys are going all out. Yeah, kind of. A lot, you know, I'm carrying him, I'm pulling him with a, I carry my staff as well, and and so everybody's like, oh, hey, is this like a, a male, uh, sh- are you guys shepherds or something? What is it? Because Falcor <laughs> looks like a sheep. And... Oh, no, he's a giant dog. <laughs> we did put ears, his big ears on him yesterday, so he looks more like a, a dog now. It's fun. Okay. That's funny. Yeah. I like Halloween. Do they do Halloween I think it's, over there? You know, it's it's not as prevalent. I think it used to be more of a big deal, but they don't do so much out here. Yeah. There's no haunted houses. People don't really trick-or-treat. The little kids kind of go out still. It sounds like you can make a lot of money. Start a haunted yeah. house. <laughs> right. Be the first one. It'll be like all American and people will love it. <laughs> <laughs> you can call it American Horror Story. <clears throat> since that's right. <laughs> And do it at like a hotel or something. Oh mm-hmm. man, we just started that one. That's some creepy oh. stuff. <laughs> I want to be. Are you serious? You've been watching that? Yeah, I mean, I've seen all the seasons, but yeah, we just started the hotel one, and you know, as far as is it actually creepy? No, I. It's not. But it is no. some messed up stuff. It is messed up. Just. <laughs> oh, man. It's it's interesting to me that how messed up the human mind can get to each other, you know? True. Like, the whole Halloween idea, I think, is so interesting. It's This is our fixation on the idea of fear, you know? And so I've been thinking about fear. I'm like, well, it's this uh, predominant emotion that kind of drives everything that we do, you know? Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it, yeah. And I've even thought about, like, I was trying to think today, in the Bible it talks about you should fear God. You know, (laughs) you should work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I've never really understood what that means or like why, you know. 
Yeah. I mean, is it, do you have an actual question about that? I don't know. I'm trying to wonder. Do you think that's like a mistranslation or do you think that there should be like, or do you think we're just not getting it or something? Like, what, what do you think about workout? Trembling. Like you can do it wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, I can make it very simple. I can make it extremely simple in understanding that there is really only uh, your choice is made out of fear and your choice is made out of love. Uh, or or trust or you know a direction that is helpful opposed to the fear of death and ultimately making every decision because you're trying to avoid death and if you made that decision it would lead to your demise of some sort even if it's just like a social death or something mm -hmm. I could also make it very complex I can I can tell you about each dimension and how each dimension has a different perspective of even what choice is and what fear is and love is. And, and kind of you brought up two of them. The fear of God is, is more of a mistranslation of the understanding, but that's only a mistranslation to a di one dimension. And then as uh -huh. it, you go into another dimension, the fear of God is, is literally saying... The belief, like, to take that sentence, the fear of God, if I believe this has some content at all, I am, I am then assuming that there can be an absence to God. And that's what the fear of God would be, would be that you recognize God is outside of yourself. You recognize that God is, has no, nothing within you, and you can do something against God and so then the fear of God is, is more of an attempt to get you, yourself, to obey God or not because of his wrath that could strike down at any moment. And it's, that's how I've always read it. Yeah, and that's like how it is taken. You should be afraid taken. of him. That's yeah. how it is taken with the way of the understanding of the world and society and how we naturally have this idea of the physical world being separate from us even as our parents, if our parents, like your dad, turned to you and said, you know, you have to obey and, or else you go into the corner and you go get grounded and you lose these privileges <laughs> and all this stuff. Uh, it makes sense because it's very evident right. that he's outside of you. Uh, and, and so while you're getting into this idea and trying to understand it, it it's, it's hard to think... Uh, something that you are not uh, is not actually separate from you. Like, we think we're not God. So we think that the fear of God means that mm -hmm. it's going to be doing, bringing some wrath upon us. And we can, if we look closely, we can admit that the ideas that we have of what God could do to us, like if we think of the Last Judgment, the ideas that we have of what could come by his wrath or whatever, uh, is all in our heads. It is all completely imaginary. And if we went up to the the uh, gates uh, and Peter uh, was determining if we should or could go into heaven or not, what we think of is all of the past. What we think of, what we've done, or why we're not... Re worthy of heaven or whatever. It's like we think 
we think of all these past experience and and like the course of in miracles emphasizes that the only thing that's real about the past is that it's wholly not here now that it wholly does not exist right in this moment and sure we have this emphasis on its continuity that everything i am right here uh this body grew up in the past so it is the evidence that i have a past however that is and our attempts our attempts to keep something from being so tre- tremendously miraculous as this world is in its single appearance immediate appearance right in this moment that you just poofed right where you are now to do right what you are doing now and the whole past idea is just an excuse not to believe in miracles so it goes the same sense with as we go into this alternate dimensional idea of miracles that fear the reason we make decisions out of fear is because we don't believe in miracles and the miracle is quite literally the emphasis that you have power in what you are doing in what you are being in the world you are are living in and everything and that if you're you, creating it yeah and so we would think that that the difference between fear the opposite of fear is more of a trust type of a situation in this instant that it is trusting that what you are is far greater than what you give yourself credit for for making decisions that you know because death is going to come or old age is going to come i have to prepare for retirement and this makes all make sense to the physical form uh, mm-hmm. and yet that trust in what you actually are so every time you're making these decisions <laughs> yeah every time you're making a choice you're deciding what you are you're deciding if you're a body and you you're going to die and you're you're going to be old and you need to prepare for retirement that's a decision that you are terrestrial so most religions say that they kind of agree where your choices kind of orchestrate your experience right but then they warn you if you make bad choices mm-hmm. you suffer bad consequences yeah so what's the difference? Do you think that those bad consequences that you suffer are actually something that you intended to have in the first place? It's an experience you wanted to have? So I wouldn't emphasize or I wouldn't say as I can say the right words as I could. <laughs> um, I I would not condone nor condemn really any action at all. Uh, however, I do admit that many of us are not prepared to act immediately uh in the, in the ways of of transcendence or in the ways of limitlessness so there is a stepping there are many stepping stones into this ability to recognize uh pretty much the decisions of being love that those decisions of completely trusting in what you are in that essence and that power of the truth about yourself So there is that uh there is that movement from uh point A to point B and so we're learning that training circumstance and attempting to recognize which 
which about ourselves is is a decision out of fear and a belief in the body is going to die and I have to avoid it or a decision out of limitlessness that it I can do and say and be anything and that's not just I you know we take this situation uh, I'm in a car someone cuts me off I have a couple options right I have a few options that's not limitlessness that's a few options Limitlessness literally has the opportunity to completely disappear out of the situation. Uh, It could even fly, make that car fly out of the world. It can make the world shaped into a totally different thing. It can do anything, even those little few options. So as we see options, we're more just open to choosing a different decision than we've, we've been conditioned to choose in our past. And so we're just stepping stones. We're taking these steps to that ultimately realizing limitlessness. So, and while we're doing that, there are, it is a goal. So to reach that goal, there are uh, seeming right directions and wrong directions. And there are good things you can do to help that and and things that will work against you as as so-called consequences. So when you become more aware and kind of follow this path, do you start to see the options open up, the limitless around you? Yeah, just like we assume we're in a car, let's say, we have the choice of getting out of the car and walking around or going, you know, you can, those open up more options instead of just being in the car. I could flip the guy off, I can drive away, mm-hmm. I can forgive the guy, I can be in the car still. But then it opens up options as I step out of the car. All of a sudden, I can do more things. I can go bang on his window. I can uh, do this or that or whatever. I can run away. I can, I can light the car on fire. You know, I got, the, I got more options. And it's the same sense that that's a natural training that we see ourselves in the physical world. So it seems natural that we know we can step out of the car. It seems natural. We know that our feet will hit the ground. We know that gravity will hold us down. And so in the same sense, these stepping stones of training our minds to limitlessness, uh, it it would be a natural occurrence that we will just know that if I climb out of the sunroof, I can fly straight up into the air instead. You know, Mm. it's, it's a natural thing. And it will reflect in the world that everyone will be in these new laws of the universe as well. That's interesting. I've heard once somebody said to me that you should turn stumbling blocks into stepping stones. So instead of hindering you from getting something, you should turn them into things that propel you towards it. And I always wondered, like, that's always been fascinating to me, is how can I make a choice to completely change my situation around? So I've always looked for stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. So in, in the more perspective of A Course in Miracles and the way to do that, and a lot of, a lot of teachers and students of A Course in Miracles uh, don't completely grasp it, but there is a quite literally an immediate uh, reflection of your mind. So while it seems that you are in a scenario that you didn't approve of, your approving wasn't in the scenario. Your approving was actually in the thought of the scenario previous to its manifestation. 
And this was the natural choice. Your approval was the choice to go in that direction. Almost as if you plan your day out before you, you know, wake up in that sense. Uh, for an example, just yesterday, uh, I was driving, you know, a little faster than the speed limit. I guess I was going 60 and 55. And Trina is like, uh, car stops and like, look how these cars get right in the way. You know, this Utah traffic jam where everybody's going the same speed <laughs> in in multiple lanes. And she's like, mm-hmm. how do you know it's the, not the universe stopping you from getting in an accident? And I'm like, I know, oh, I know, young grasshopper, I taught you this one as well. And <laughs> and uh, then just uh, yesterday evening, I got in a car accident. No way. It was very small. It was in a parking lot and everything. But I made a decision. I did make a decision out of uh, somewhat fear of recognizing and it's kind of a paranoia type thing of, of other people around me watching me in a different fashion. And I actually turned the other direction to avoid them instead of going with it and just following them uh, in the same since that morning as Trina said that you know it's like yeah pretty much is that Uh, and if I make a decision out of fear I was telling her the same thing yeah if I make a decision out of fear I'm actually going towards death as I think I am coming away from death and protecting myself from death and so that same occurrence even though it wasn't my fault at all uh, I was avoiding this uh, suspicion and paranoia that I was having uh Instead of instead of just naturally seeing it and expecting a, a loving situation, I would have turned that other direction and completely avoided that accident. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of something that happened today, actually. I just got off work. <laughs> I just got back from the mental hospital, and there was a guy. He... he uh, he has a bunch of diseases and he takes drugs that makes his diseases worse and he makes all these choices that make things worse. And then he came into the hospital and he says something. And he's like, yeah, I, man, I just, I'm, I'm going to go hurt somebody. And my doctor's like, my attending's like, you know, if you say that, I have to call the police. He's like, well, you got to do what you got to do, but I, I'm going to go hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. And so then the guy leaves. We have to call the police. And my doctor says to me, why? Would you come to your doctor and tell him you're going to hurt somebody? If you know it's going to make everything in your life even worse, it's going to compound every situation he's got. And the doctor couldn't imagine why somebody would be making choices that would do this. And I thought, well, maybe, he maybe that's really what he wants. Yeah, he really doesn't want to hurt somebody, but he knows he's going to do it. <laughs> maybe this is the life that he's creating for himself. There's these lessons that he has to learn or something. But from the paradigm of my attending physician, he just he's like, why doesn't everyone just want to be normal and be happy and be like us? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I think that's the fallacy, is that there's a multiplicity of experiences to be had out there that yeah. look foreign to us. I mean, but, you know, some people... Don't you feel special being a doctor that can care for people? Right. That's all anybody that- wants. They want to feel special, and so they think of... You know their scenario and what they've been learned and what they think their talents are and capabilities are and when people are on drugs in certain fashions they feel like this specialness gets emphasized and so they feel more powerful and and all these things and so and in the same sense you're doing the same thing that's true 
we just have our different ways in training about it. We're all just making our own decisions in our life course and stuff. Yeah. And some people are, are okay with believing that they will never achieve their specialness and greatness. And so they don't strive for it. And even, and, and yet, so some people just like that as well, including myself, and then gets into uh, drugs and you feel more powerful and you feel like smarter or something you feel like laws have been defined and or undefined and you reach beyond them and and it, i mean you know and you recognize there's still that subconscious mind as he coming to you and saying i'm going to go hurt somebody you know part of him he doesn't want to hurt somebody or else he would do it at some other point and he wouldn't right. tell you and he would make it really covert and all this stuff he would at the same just time, do he, it. Yeah, same time he doesn't want to do it, but he does. You know, he's powerful, but he wants to avoid avoid it. Everybody wants to avoid fear and death. That's what it is. We're trying to avoid it, <laughs> and yet we don't realize we're going to it, that we're manifesting it. We're working it to work out. Like our avoidance of death is the creation of death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we live life completely dead instead of living <laughs> because we're... Right. We're trying to avoid the inevitable that we only see other people do. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Halloween's an interesting manifestation of that because most of it is centered around bones and death and graveyards because that's the scariest thing we can think of, our own mortality, you know. But I was reading something in Buddhism today about the Atman or the the non-Atman, like the no-self, and it was talking about stream of consciousness, how there's not really a soul. It says, instead there's ideas, and as one idea dies, it immediately gives birth to a new idea that dies. Yeah. It gives birth to a new idea. And it's the cycle of life and death that is the continuation of our stream of being, of yeah. our awareness. And so death is that essential component, you know? But we see it as being the most scary thing. <laughs> well, I mean, we were traumatized by birth. <laughs> I mean, think of how death would be. You know, <laughs> we I got that, spanked yeah. the, the second I was born. Squeezed out and a whole different sensation of temperature and, you know, everything's not cared for. And what what is this hunger feeling? You know, it's just endless, endless, very traumatizing. And, and this watched. was one of the biggest and first decisions we made in the existence of the physical universe. And so right. it's, you know, we think that, any decision we make, which we subconsciously know we're making of, of death, we think we, we can't avoid it. We can't make a decision to, to be eternal. We, we can't make this idea. So we, you know, we're scared of our own power. We're like, oh, crap, I agreed to make death already, and I'm all powerful, so I can't stop myself. Dang it, now I have to run from it subconsciously. That's how my mind works anyway. <laughs> I do wonder how much of that is traumatized from birth. I've seen a lot of births lately. Um, and I always, I think it's interesting, you get this life form that's intimately attached. You know, this baby is intimately attached to the mother. It's inside of her, it's part of her. It's her temperature, her heartbeat, her fluids, everything. And then um, some cruel doctor reaches in and pulls you out, mm-hmm. takes a knife and separates you. You know what I mean? And changes your entire world after that. And it's like that separation must be the most terrible feeling thing in the world, you know? Oh, man. (laughs) 
I mean, and I, I like, was I was ripped out. I was breached, and so I, I it was a whole C-section thing for me. And oh, yeah. my first recognition of being in the world was being freezing cold, uh, mm. and my circulation wasn't up, and it was pretty intense. And after that, you're like, "What is death? Could it be even worse?" <laughs> was a, after that, I was like, "Is there a Santa Claus?" That's right. <laughs> Jumped right to that. You know, it, it's really not about uh, living or dying. Uh, you're coming into this, like you see that, oh, I'm gonna die soon, or, and we don't realize that diseases and and causes of pain and suffering were this this actual decision that my I don't have a purpose, and we didn't recognize that we always are in purpose of the universe, and that's pretty much what it is. Is it's your decision to have a purpose in the world or in existence at all or to not have one anymore and that's life and death and many of us are just living life trying to find a purpose or trying to stay uh, you know avoiding death as if that's a purpose and it's really just a purpose to die in the same sense so is there do we ever really find purpose or are these just mental constructs that we create to help us get through our day? Well, to think of mental constructs as something that has been literally put in your system in a way of a programming that you have been programmed to not recognize that what you are, that mm. what you are is purpose. So to think of you not having a purpose is why death naturally occurs and you're thinking you have uh, your life on a daily occurrence and, and you're like oh what am I good for anymore you know, and you're just sitting on the couch all day or whatever you're, you're going you're generating an experience that will lead you to death because you're mm. making that decision to not have a reason for existence because you are purpose if you, and just to be yourself, ultimately, what I would say, what A Course in Miracles and many other things are attempting to get us to realize is that what you are is naturally evident. And if you just allowed yourself to be, instead of thinking that you should change yourself and work on yourself and fix yourself, uh, from the very beginning, we would all be these, We I would see us as the superheroes, even if we didn't have superpowers none of us would hesitate to talk with each other none of us would you know it'd be a much more sociable experience and mm. and we would love and accept each other and commune with each other naturally because we wouldn't be hesitating out of fear thinking that someone is is judging us or or making it seem that you know or misunderstanding us or whatever and instead we just are allowing ourselves to be as God created us to be and and that's ultimately what it would what I would say is are the the blocks to the awareness of love's presence is what the the purpose of the course is eliminating and helping us to see beyond these blocks so that we can be that love that we naturally are if we were being ourselves if we remembered that we were purpose, we would naturally do this. 
we would not hesitate what we do and say with people we'd have holy encounters with just someone on the street you know complete eye contact it's hard to explain a holy encounter but it's like you recognize that even in just a few lines you you have been one mind and you're joining in this one experience of complete communion and you know each other in this wholeness it's without any hesitation without any separation at all so it's interesting I like the, I, I like that you can reframe my paradigm of what I'm thinking you know because I fall into these traditional things so I've read Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning I don't know if you've read this one no, he's a psychologist I, I, my reading skills got as far as a little bit of a dr seuss and <laughs> got a course in miracles and then the course in miracles is literally like my reading capabilities <laughs> were made for to understand the course in miracles and a lot of people that read other books and know other things don't completely understand the course in miracles it's like I, my my wiring of my brain or whatever it's just been naturally conditioned to understand this almost perfectly. So anyway, that's a tangent. Been, what are you saying? You've been perfectly primed. Well, there's a Dr. Victor, Victor Frankl was a, an Ashkenazi Jew that was in Auschwitz concentration camp during World War II. Okay. And he's a psychologist at the time. And so he kind of just documented the difference between the people who died in the camp and the people who survived. And he said that the people who survived, survived because they had a reason. They had this drive. That's they had right. a meaning in life. Yeah. And so he, he came up with this idea of logotherapy. And he says, it's not the ultimate goal in finding some established meaning. He says, that's not even possible. It's your search for meaning. It's your ongoing meaningfulness. <laughs> yeah. It's never like a static thing. Like, oh, well, my meaning is to be a doctor. Because that dies. you know. And so tomorrow my meaning will be to just be a good person or something but it's it's the thing that drags you from day to day yeah and you see it you know when uh an elderly fellow dies his wife shortly dies thereafter almost as if yeah her purpose in life was serving him now what is she gonna do right <laughs> and and she didn't find something else to do and and a lot of people uh the relationships uh break up after the kids move out of the house and stuff because their purpose of being together and that relationship was for the children. And it's kind of the same same sense that, you know, we hold on to things because we we think they'll bring out better conditions. And it's ultimately the same reason we're holding on to this physical world, is we think we're going to actually come out a better person or a better being from this experience, whether it be that it's a test or whether it be that we just finally uh, had the experience or whatever it is, we still see a separation between uh, what we are all are as an eternal being beforehand and an eternal being after. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is interesting because so a normal, I don't know, some people might just look for a meaning and when they don't find it, they're hopeless. Victor Frankl says, keep yeah. looking for meaning and that keeps giving you hope. And you're kind of taking it one step further and saying, you don't even need to look. You, yeah. as, a, as an entity, are a state of meaning yeah. in the universe. Yeah. All you have to do is look inward at yourself. And that's why, that's why we have the capability of finding meaning. Like nature is complete just chaos, ultimately, in this description. 
and right. and we have to find the meaning for trees and the the meaning and and really it is just a series of understanding cause and effect and when i recognize myself ultimately the understanding is recognizing myself i am an effect of the existence of god so i am literally the purpose for god and that literally gives me the meaning every single day it's it, you think practically you know how do i comprehend that how do i use that but it's almost as if every decision i make i am deciding if i am in the purpose of god all the glory to god or you know this decision is going to work for me or not for me and all the glory to me either way mm -hmm. yeah So, yeah, I mean, do we find anything? I, I love that Lynn's mentioning the lesson one of A Course in Miracles. Uh, nothing I see means anything. And, and yet we, we're reading that lesson and thinking it means something. <laughs> you know? So it, it's, it's like we give it, you know, the meaning that we want for it. Are we recognizing that it... Is the Course of Miracles the devil's work, and it's really just trying to get us to fulfill the prophecies of the Bible and bring the end of the world and and all this stuff, or is it is it actually attempting us to waken from the dream and is is Christ and all this stuff, or is it just some sort of psychological jargon trying to get us to be happy? Or, or and, and helping us, like, like there's a different way to do this, find happiness. And, you know, it, ha it, it has so many different directions in which we can take it. But we are the ability to find purpose. And that is our purpose. That is what we are in purpose. It's like, do we want to use it to be happy? Or do we want to use it to, you know, be right and struggle and suffer and die? Hmm. Yeah, in philosophy, we talk a lot about the power that language has. Language is just kind of a stand-in for a medium of thought. but Because they say the world is just a bunch of atoms. It's just a bunch of chaos. But when you name something, or when you talk about it, or when you explain meaning, when you yourself can express meaning into the world through the use of language, you create. Because yeah. before, it was just a bunch of worthless stuff. But now you create, there's a park. Now I create a relationship. I create a time. I uh, you know, park. The, now park right. means something. Right. Whereas before, those are just sounds that don't even mean anything. Those are just blades of grass that together don't mean anything until you establish a meaning. But the meaning came from you, not from the entity. Yeah. yeah and so like, we as... Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. We as the powerful creators are creating meaning in a meaningless environment. We're really just projecting it onto the medium of the world, like it's our canvas, you know? Yeah. It's but a, then we're worried we're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's almost as if the capability of finding meaning uh, needs the definition of having opposition. So, like, the being right or wrong is that we're still searching, and, and we're always searching for this meaning, this purpose, and uh, to quote, um, what's his name? Science of Mind, Ernest Holmes. He, he says that what you search for 
is what you search with. And it, it refers to a lot, but it ultimately is referring to you searching for purpose is what you are as purpose. As meaning, you are the meaning, that you are the reason even God exists. That without you, regardless if you identify with truth or illusions, without you, you are... God would be less without you. God would be not whole. And that's how important, literally, the purpose of what we are is to even the existence of God. It's pretty intense. Mm -hmm. Man, I'm kidding. That all together we make up this giant hole, so if we take out part of it, then it's not whole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I work at the, you know, I've been at the psych hospital all day. And we work with people all day who, they're like, they have these fears, you know? Like people are afraid they're, they're yeah. insane. The people yeah. are afraid to go outside. They're afraid, afraid, afraid. And so I've just been kind of surrounded by people who have so much fear, you know. And ultimately, it's just fear of the ego of death, yeah. you know. So I've been going to Toastmasters lately. Oh, yeah. have you? Yeah. And uh, the table topic this last week was um, conspiracy theories. <laughs> and she was talking about how she, her brother thought he was insane and stuff Be ultimately he believes in so many different conspiracy theories and and I got up there and I brought up the conspiracy theory of of ultimately the entire world and the entire universe and that it's all just a conspiracy of of this element of consciousness mm -hmm. and I said you know I the only way I can come up here and talk about this is that I am okay with the possibility that I might be paranoid schizophrenic, that I might be completely insane. Like, if I thought it was a bad thing and I wanted to avoid it, I would not be able to be up there. I would not be able to speak my mind. I would have to worry about everything I say, worry about everything I'm doing. And then, you know, I would, I would have to never go up on the stage. So the ability to accept myself was the allowance of me to, uh, to be up there and to, among 15, 20 people, to win best table topics. <laughs> and, you know, if I was worried about what to say, I, I recorded it even, and it was almost as if I didn't really make sense to myself listening to it later. I was like, it was all just like this this form and selling myself and and how I looked and referencing to what other people talked about and and it just naturally worked out and it didn't really have a whole lot of content except for just accept yourself <laughs> but it was, it was still it, pretty good it's, it's like you were saying earlier when you got into the wreck what were you doing you were trying to avoid mm -hmm. the the paranoia the fear the something but yeah. if you had just faced it, things would have worked out. Yeah, exactly. There's a, a story I always think about. It's some book or something I read where, um, <clears throat> like a long time ago, there was a guy in a, a medieval town or something, and death, uh, the embodiment of death, 
<laughs> came to town and asked, hey, where's, where's Bob? And everyone told Bob, oh my gosh, Bob, death is looking for you. Run. And so he got on his horse and he ran to the next town over. And so death finally came to Bob's house and says, hey, where, where's Bob? And they said, oh, Bob, Bob's run to the next town. And death says, oh, that's too bad. I'm supposed to kill him in the next town. I just wanted to say hi to him before we got there. And so the, <laughs> the moral of the story is that when you try to outrun the things that you're afraid of, you end up running into them. Yeah, exactly. If you just accept it, you know, you know it becomes I, a more empowering thing. Uh, there was this show, uh, Superheroes, it's a new one, um, Legends of Tomorrow, and there's it's a series of time travel. With, he went up and picked up several different uh, historical superheroes and... And one one guy was a doctor, and they are in this place where. Oh, and uh, he he decides to save this kid from a curable disease that really isn't like a new medicine or anything. Tuberculosis, I think it was, and <clears throat> and he. He saves him and everything. They're like, you don't know what you'd be doing to the timeline and you're messing it all up. And he finds out after uh, when he says something about, he said, he calls him by his mother's last name and he says, no, my last name's Wells. And he's like, Hubert Grant Wells. I'm like, you're H.G. Wells? <laughs> he's like, yeah. I'm, yeah, you know, it's almost like the opposite occurred that because. Time, in, in everything in the past, even the time travel already occurred. That mm. if he let him die and didn't make that decision as well, according to this theory, um, <laughs> that, that as well there wouldn't be H.G. Wells and doing his part in, in society. Wow. It's all, you know, didn't he write about time travel and he, uh, he wrote this, those so. books, The Time Machine, didn't? Wasn't right, that yeah, him? he was, yeah. He was a science fiction writer, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. See, I love the flow of events and like the cause and effect type things. I don't know, like this, but ultimately, I think, I don't know. Do we all? Does our inner self know what we're doing? And there's no reason to be afraid, anyways. We're creating the experience that we want. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, <laughs> I mean it, it all depends on which dimensional focus that we're really looking at. But ultimately, yeah, the the your Holy Spirit of, and the Holy Spiritual Universe completely has this whole thing scripted and written out to where it it concludes to your complete awakening to the whole truth of your reality, and so there is nothing to be concerned about. It's just we're like firsthand reading the script, living it as if we don't mm. remember it was written, we don't remember anything about it, and we're just naturally going with it. So that's one thing uh, is really emphasized in the Course in Miracles is that your simple willingness to just act and and trust that knowing that you don't need to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent me, really, who wrote the script, uh, will lead you, will guide you to saying what you need to say, doing what you need to do. I think there's something empowering about that. 
you know? Yeah. It's like when Christ says, and the truth shall set you free. I think, to me, that's one of the truths that really have been setting me free lately. Like, I've noticed, <clears throat> as, of, as we've been doing this radio show and as I've been thinking about topics during the week, I'll notice my ego creeps up. And I, uh, I've got this oppositional defiant ego where if somebody attacks me, I just have to attack back. Yeah. You know, from like when I was away a little kid and I got spanked or something, and that was the way I was going to deal with it is I want to attack back. And I thought, why do I do that? Yeah. And I've been thinking about it this week. <laughs> and it's like, well, because I'm scared to death if I don't defend myself, I'll be victimized. Yeah. And then they take it a step further. And I'm like, but who or what is being victimized? What could I really lose? Yeah. And as I kind of submit to the fear, <laughs> it, it just kind of goes away. <laughs> That's good. Like, it, that's that's something. My favorite lesson and my favorite teaching of a course of miracles is, is along the lines of a single lesson, but it's all over the book. But in my defenselessness, my safety lies, and it's mm. referring to that. For an example, I, I, if I called you a fire hydrant, uh, you wouldn't be freaking out. You wouldn't be like, oh, no. how rude is that? I can't believe you called me a fire hydrant. You know, I'm trying to think it, metaphorically. Does that mean I'm short and red, or is it, does it mean I'm hard and I can't be? You know, do, is it because I hold back my emotions and then eventually I burst and spray out all this water? You know, we're trying to understand it and trying to compare it to ourselves and everything we identify with and trying to find a fence to it. And and I know I use this metaphor a lot, but it's the same thing. Is that when? I actually think it's true, and if I did the same occurrence and I called you fat, uh, if you had identified with it, you wouldn't think it's funny. You know, you, know, you wouldn't think it's. You would actually find offense to it. So the reason to defend yourself over that is because you want it to be true that you are fat, and you know, regardless if it's true or not, you're trying to say I am weak, I am little. I am succumbed to this and I can't do anything about it. And and your defense is actually making it true. You're agreeing that it is true instead of recognizing that that it's not. Instead of recognizing, you know, the power that you have and that you are not a body and that you are eternal and all these things. <laughs> There's a part the Bible talks about and Christ says resist not evil. And his whole, the whole crucifixion atonement thing, he could have easily gotten out. And he was yeah. this deity, right? He had all this power. But he submitted to all these people whipping him and beating him and putting a, a, a crown of thorns on him and then ultimately crucifying him. And he just submitted. Yeah. But in doing that, he transcended it all, right? He didn't run away from any of it. Yeah. So I always wonder about that, like resist not evil. If somebody's trying to like... Yeah, insult you or something, and you defend against it, you are. You're reinforcing it. Yeah, you're just being the other half of that same scenario instead of seeing past it and recognizing that regardless if someone can be doing good or evil or anything they're doing, uh, to see past it and recognize that they are purpose, that they are the literal essence of love, and if I recognize that they are literally the essence of love, they can't be doing good or they can't be doing evil. They can't be doing anything that's not quite literally what they are, as in love. 
So I take it as forgive them, Father, they know not what they do has nothing to do with the actual uh, opposition ideas of being good or bad, that they don't know that they're hurting themselves, or some people even say they don't know that that they're just creating the Holocaust to come to their (laughs) generations to come, and people make up all these things, and really, it's they don't recognize that they are loving me so much right now. (laughs) That they want me to die. They couldn't do anything else. Yeah. Everybody, even even, just being themselves and living their purpose, regardless if they recognize it or not, and it's it's all for me. And as in that statement, in that understanding of Christ, as He was recognizing it as all for Him, and all for the fulfillment of His purpose and His life, and you know, oh, they don't recognize that they are completely in line with the purpose of what we are doing here today and some of them might actually think they're sinning please forgive them and remind them that they are not sinning and that sin is impossible that love is all that they are and some people think oh yeah because if he wasn't crucified and died then he wouldn't you know have resurrected for our sins and showed us that we're eternal and and that's good too but ultimately, it is to show us that really nothing we do or say in the world is is worth really any of our time at all. It doesn't change anything about us. I always have thought the, the idea of sin is interesting. The idea of, like, there's this God that who can be offended by something that we can do. Like, yeah. we have any ability to do anything to hurt an infinite creature of God. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I've often wondered, like, what is sin? What is the idea of sin? Like, it's this evil that we create in the world that we need to fix. We need to repent of. We need to change in the world, you know? Yeah. But you're saying sin doesn't even exist. Well, just like the idea of religion is ultimately for people that don't recognize God themselves and don't have personal communion with God themselves so they turn to somebody else and they advise them and help them with the word of God that they know uh, in, in that same sense is is the idea of sin also just a stepping stone uh, to ultimately realizing truth themselves and recognizing God themselves and actually having personal one-on-one communion with God and and the idea of sin really has so many different stepping stones in its understanding. And it ultimately, uh, as it seems as if it is an action, and it seems like we can, we can have guilt or shame or fear and anger and all this stuff from specific actions, which in the world it would apply to naturally, of course. It does seem and is conducive to understanding that, yes, actions lead to death, and we want to avoid death and suffering for other people. And so what, what it really, and a sin is, and a temptation of what a sin is, is to think that you're anything less than God. That even as I uh, speak on multiple different levels and dimensions here with you, uh, and, and I do every day, that I go in and out of sin all the time, and I deliberately do this so that I can commune on the physical level. Mm. And because so many people identify with bodies that 
in order to teach what I would learn in the same sense is to recognize that what a sin could be is the forgetting, the forgetting of who you actually are. And that's, I mean, people say, you know, oh, God made me do it and all this stuff. And, and it might not make sense to them. It might not make sense to anybody. It might not actually be true or not. But in the same sense, everything you do, God told you to do. And regardless if you think of it as the physical body as an illusion and, and it's not actually there, uh, if I do take that into account, then there was never a death that happened. I never murdered someone. I can't. That if I recognize that this world is actually a spiritual universe and that we are eternal, then I cannot kill anybody. I cannot steal from them. They can't own things. I cannot covet my neighbor's wife because they are one. I cannot, uh, you know, what are the what are the Ten Commandments? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 the, they literally cannot be done if I know truth. It's impossible that the actions that we think are so easily, you know, the natural man is an enemy of God. Well, the natural man made up religion. So how far do we want to go with that? Because then you're telling me that religion is an enemy to God. Yeah, anyway. That gets out there. <laughs> Hate mail is being written as you speak. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I, uh, you want to get into my paranoid schizophrenia thing going on? <laughs> I am being suppressed by sources that are out of this world and in it but we don't need to get in that <laughs> that that just gets me in accidents ha. yeah don't do that again yeah. we have to have have to have you as the part of the show <laughs> for my ego yeah. i i think it's interesting though you said that sin can be a stepping stone and when i'm thinking about it it's like you know it is because if you don't understand the truth that you're saying that we're all connected, I mean, how could I sin against something that is me or that yeah. wasn't separate from me to be? But if you don't see that, it is a good step to say, oh, an event happened. I need to be closer to God. Whatever it is, it drives me closer to understanding what is God. And ultimately, I think you just transcend it. Yeah. I say temporarily, if you believe in... Uh, a circumstance that's going to come out to something that you don't want or consequence uh, then and you believe that's going to happen then you have the full justification you already have the full justification to go with that follow that do that uh, it's it's completely okay you know it's until you one day you'll recognize that that's not going to happen and you won't even think of it and you naturally expect something else. And some people, including myself, are really hard on ourselves and we like, want to make it happen faster. We want to make these decisions stronger and everything. So we start beating ourselves up because we, uh, you know, landed into that consequence that we believed was going to happen and we believed and ultimately created it to happen exactly as it did. And, and so I beat myself up saying, no, oh, I knew that was coming. Uh, I did that myself. I did that. Instead of being completely uh, gentle and recognizing that I'm just doing it again, 
and when am I going to stop? When am I going to stop beating myself up? It's like, as I'm reviewing the circumstance, yes, I saw it coming. Yes, I generated it, created it. Doesn't matter. I, what am I going to choose to be right now? And yeah, oh, instead of recognizing, oh, yes, how beautiful it is. It really does happen. It really does come into my life as I am thinking and, and creating it and not really stressing over it as like the accident yesterday it's like no i i ultimately knew it was coming and i denied it so that i could have the first-hand experience of it and it was even as uh, everything else just a beautiful experience see like we were talking about earlier how events just happen but it's our mind that creates the meaning on them so when i just think it's a cool transition from when one event that's terrible like somebody did, somebody sinned against me. That's so bad. But as our awareness changes and we project different meaning into the world, we can actually see that all of these bad events and these people who are sinning against us, that's actually manifestations of love. And it's, it's actually all perfect. Everything's perfect. And how could it be anything but perfect? Yeah. Yeah, it's really about that, that big picture, seeing that big picture and how it all comes together. And, and even with conspiracy theories as... There's, it's just a stepping stone to thinking, oh, there's actual human beings that are working against us right now and everything and not letting us find the wholeness of truth. Is that, that's exactly what we're doing right now with my own mind as I'm obsessing about them doing that. And, you know, I, it's the conspiracy against myself and, and that I'm, I'm suppressing myself and believing that there's, you know, a reason for suspicion and a separation that could actually be occurring. And, and yeah, instead of recognizing that it is all in this perfect flow, uh, that it is all in this natural occurrence of the, the whole creation, that, yeah, God created man, and that creation is not in its completion as far as what we are in time. At the end of time, it will be the seventh day of our rest and his rest and it rest whatever we're going through the whole creation that's, that's all I got <laughs> and that's perfect that's that. coming up on the end of our hour here so oh, nice. yeah conspiracy theories about conspiracy theories and yeah, <laughs> we like the the original conspiracy theory of, of the world and we project it onto uh, other things like our family and then we project it into the, oh, it's the government. And then, oh, it's the world. And, and you know, ultimately, okay, I'm not going to get into it. Yeah. There's our chime. There's my church bell. Yeah. I think the thing I'm going to take away from it, though, is it, when you get into the cycle of conspiracy, all these things that are happening, the, the way out is your defenselessness. Right? Yeah. Because you've recognized love and purpose is what you are. There's, Boom. A, there's, there's teach what you would learn. And if you want to learn and recognize yourself as love and purpose, teach someone else by your actions that you are loving and you are purpose and that you can't get out of it. Boom, Profound. boom. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you, On this you, epic Mark. Halloween. Yeah? Thank you All right, for man. being here with me and doing this with me. I really enjoy it. 
Me too. We'll see you next week then. Yeah, sounds good. Happy Halloween. Enjoy your you too. Enjoy your lunch hour for Halloween. Thank you. And thank you all for tuning in and have a spectacularly beautiful day. And Mike's off. See you, Mark. <laughs>